hi, uh, editor Cam here. Just wanted to let you guys know that CJ's microphone settings got a little wonky. And uh, there's a lot of background noise that I can't get rid of. So that's just uh, something to keep in mind for this episode. Uh, I apologize. But the episode's good, I promise. Welcome back to the all-new episode of the Saturday more Saturday Detention Podcast. Live from the... Strahd's second basement. Second basement? Yeah. Joining me this week, we have a a new person and an old person. Ah! A new person. Would you like to introduce yourself? Am I the new person? How's this work? Yes, you are the new person. Okay, cool. Yeah, you said old person, and I'm like, damn, you just really confused the shit out of me. You know what? Right? I'm like, I'm older than both of you. So you've been here before. Uh, (laughs) Our guest hasn't. Okay. Cool. So, uh, my name's D. I've been, uh, let's see, I've been leading at least one constant D&D group for, shit, is it eight years now? Fuck, it might be eight years now. Okay, I'm gonna say eight years. Um, gone through numerous campaigns, evolved everything, been playing since, uh, CJ's parents taught me in second ed, so about then. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, uh, I'm back for a whatever time. Uh, CJ, Havari, Ryan, either or. Um, been DMing for. I, I want to say, when did 5th edition launch? Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth edition. You know what? I can get an exact date because I remember literally like starting all this stuff. Um, so fifth edition started in 2012. So literally as we graduated high school. So it's been nine years since I've been DMing. Um, and I've had three campaigns. Each of them lasted about two to three years. So yeah. So what the fuck were you doing before we were? Getting ready to leave school. Four E was that just a thing? Like nobody <laughs> played Four E. We don't talk about Four E. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We don't like, talk about Four E. I was gonna say, like, yeah, that's like ten years ago. No one, I, I can't remember that far so, back. So I mean, really, that's the whole reason. I mean, okay, depending on the level of nerd you talk about, they'll tell you Pathfinder came about for a number of reasons. Yeah. I personally feel like Pathfinder came out because of Fourth Edition. As do uh, I. If. Yeah, like if 4th edition hadn't been shit, I don't feel like Pathfinder would have ever been a game. Yeah, like it would have been like, released and it would have been another like, meh, that's a rip-off D&D, like Roll20 system game. And uh, another thing that like a lot of people feel like Pathfinder attributed to things is Pathfinder essentially took the 4E systems that everybody fucking hated and evolved it into things that people weren't so mad at. And actually somewhat liked. Pathfinder was 3.75. That's what that game was. Yeah. If that wasn't clear, I, I barely know what I'm doing. I've played D&D t- twice. <laughs> well, full. full well, a campaign and a fourth. Every, yeah. Because the, the whole thing on Roll20 just kind of fizzled. I'm like, oh, okay. I definitely think I have helped... I definitely think I have now finished more campaigns for other people than I have fully finished campaigns while playing. 
Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, that's a matter of perspective, I think, because there. I mean, yeah, okay, cool. I didn't, I didn't necessarily get to experience that feeling, but at the same point in time, I've now fallen in love with making stories. So I get to be the person that gives people that character that they love and gets to create an entire story based around it. I have a, I have a friend of mine who is a player in my my campaigns. That we, you know, we we were uh, we met remotely and have been friends for a number of years. I brought them into my my long running game in the last campaign that I did, where we did uh, Path to Avernus or Descent to Avernus or whatever the heck it is. Um, great campaign setting, and I brought them in, and they they played their first you know, kind of evil goblin character and went through the whole path of hell through that. Um, and now that character is the icon for their Twitch channel, uh, their Etsy shop. I, I oh. saw them post something where they're like literally having a 3D uh, like sculpt created of the character. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, oh, wow. see, I get to help other people experience and explore that level of things. So, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with it. Man, CJ, when we go through some shit like that? Uh, I mean, literally last night, I just finished up Campaign 2 and had artwork done for Campaign 2. Do you seen it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, that's for what the person does. Like, people in this campaign already like their characters. Well, in the last campaign, like their characters enough. Like, Glenn finished playing Richter. Uh, Mateo played Uldren and like everybody loved their characters to the part where uh, Aaron actually made a um, Aaron made a twitch emote which is their orc shooting holes in a table (laughs) so I mean I've done that it's a matter of if you like your character I can't make you love a character like (laughs) And I, but I also feel like that goes into, like, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot, and that is getting your char- getting your players to RP their characters. Because if you're stuck with nothing but number crunchers, they do yeah. not love their character. They are not engaged. I have a player that keeps getting stuck in the damn cycle of making number crunchers. And I constantly have to find new ways and give him new characters just to keep him engaged. And if you're not RPing, you're not keeping yourself interested in how your character is developing. And that means you're, you're bored and you're just like, okay, when's the next time I'm rolling dice and randomizing numbers? Yeah. That, that player Hmm. or that type of person becomes very much more, focused on combat than they do RP. But the problem is, is if you're constantly doing combat, there's no character progression. No, boring. Which is why a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, I love the combat. That's great, but you have to have a nice balance of combat and RP in order for anything to move forward. Yeah, like, nobody plays an RPG. Like, you don't play an old school Final Fantasy game and go, man, do I love those random encounters. Those are the fucking jam. No. You don't, you don't want any of that. Nobody wants that. Why should D&D be the same thing? It's fair. Because I, I have a distinct memory of us being on a pirate 
pirate ship? Not yeah. a pirate ship, a regular ship. Airship. Both. We did both. And I, I was like, I'm going to use this new spell. CJ, how do I use this new spell? And he's like, you do this. And like, I did that. And he's like, we got to roll a bunch of dice now. And like, <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to do this. Because I am not a number person. See, but that's... At all. That's where it's, it, there's also a fine line in doing everything. Because when you... See, it, it's the difficulty that I've had to explain to people. of Just because I'm making a character that is still efficient in combat doesn't mean that I'm being a number cruncher in my RP. Because, yeah. I mean, most, most of my combat-oriented characters end up being CC-oriented. Teaching people to know the ins and outs of their character can help them in the RP themselves. Like, I, in my campaign right now, I, I have had characters, you know, be like, oh shit, I forgot I had this. And then they themselves figured out ways to work it into how their character just remembered that they, or figured out that they could do this ability that they've had since level one. Anime flashback. Speaking of people forgetting things, uh, the actual like perfect example of this. Um, so D's character Silverleaf was in campaign two slightly as they needed help and assistance for something, and D remembered that uh, one of your guys's party members from the first campaign did everything he could to become a god and left stuff behind. Well, D wanted to grab whatever he left behind. And give it to the next party so that way they could use it in the fight. They completely forgot they had that item. <clears throat> Remembered it after the fight was over. That ain't shit you can do about it now. But yeah. you remembered you had it. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Also, for anybody that does not know what CC means, crowd control. Uh, that's anything like stuns, silences, stuff to make you lose control of a character or make them lose actions. It helps to create mitigation for either action control or uh, just, you know, some sort of resource management within D&D combat very well. Like the slow spell. One thing that people don't necessarily realize it helps so much. The slow spell will it's actually absolutely spell. butcher a combat. Yeah. Because people don't realize that one of the major things that it does is take away reactions. They have to choose either a reaction hits. or an action. Yeah, so nobody's ever going to choose the reaction, which means nobody can ever counterattack you. So you get to never worry about attack of opportunities. And people forget about that and don't use it until it gets used on them. Yeah, I could... I, hmm. <laughs> you combine slow with another person in the party doing haste, you guys will probably win a good 80% of the time. Action economy. One of the things that I used to do... Um, is I would use a the bard spell. Fuck, what is it? It's it's basically psychic scream, um, but it's single target. They have to roll or they run away. And I would just pick the person that was in combat, surrounded by people, and be like, "Hey, you're gonna run." Guess what? Everybody gets an attack of opportunity. Bye bye. So mostly this is here because. I wanted to try to give back in the D&D, and then my job went, ha-ha, second shift. <laughs> Six days a week, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's what I run right now. Okay, I, um... That's why, uh... 
Like, my campaign literally started at 1 a.m. for us. Because I work six days a week. My only day off is Sunday. So we started Saturday night. The second I got off work around 12.30 at night. Um, it gave me 30 minutes to prepare, eat a little bit of food, get ready for whatever the fuck is about to happen, make sure I have everything set up from the week prior. And it was kind of hell, you know? Um, Carlos wanted to participate in the in the game, and he could participate sometimes, but since he works morning shift, he was falling asleep almost half of the time. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just schedules sometimes don't, uh, don't agree with D&D. Scheduling and D&D are literally, like, enemies enemies of the state for each other i swear yeah because i i could have joined until they were like all right we are now three to one and i'm like is that like a hard three to one like no so sometimes you'll be getting off at two sometimes you'll be getting off at four and i'm just like four a.m you mean like 13 hours like yeah i'm like you know mental health is careful tightrope. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not allowed to have that for another what's no we have next friday off so yeah and that's an important conversation about role playing through aspects of your mental health or personal exploration within your characters in any role playing game yeah, like how I wanted to learn all the languages in D&D in the last campaign, because I can't do that here. I don't have enough time for that. Well, it's it's like the common uh, joke that uh, D&D is the yeah. ultimate fantasy game because you get yeah. to uh, go out and have a successful job and get a place to live. Yeah, and have affordable yeah. income and be able to mm-hmm. actually spend money on things you would like, like clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. food isn't a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, food isn't a problem. You don't have to worry about your rent because you can pay it years in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the ultimate fantasy. No, no I'm sad. <laughs> oh. D&D will do that to a man. <laughs> I can tell. Oh, man. Oh. oh, my poor heart. What's left of my heart. So, how, how does DMing work? Because I'm going to assume most people... The three people listening to this have no idea how that shit works, myself included. Well, so so DMing, see, that's what I was kind of saying about DMing is you want to tell a story. It it's It's taken me a long time to be able to figure out all the different mechanics and all the different ways of being able to do that. Because one of the things that gets kind of, the thing that people get lost in is tracking everything, tracking your monsters, tracking your initiative, doing, you know, keeping all of these various things open. And that is actually where I feel like modern electronic media uh, and medium as a whole is what makes it, oh my God, yes. Like uh, having, I mean, I, I, both of us owned almost every book in 5e up to a certain point before we then transitioned over into everything. And being able to have five tabs open of all of my monsters versus having six books with three tabs open in each of them out in front of me and trying to have 20 different charts. Man, fuck all that. I never want to go back to that. The ability to do everything online has streamlined the actual functionality of the game and the ability to track your initiative and do all of those functional things that it makes it easier to focus on a storyline. 
and to be able to tell the story that is what you want to do. Uh, and I'm going to piggyback hmm. off of that. So DMing is keeping track of everything. But the other thing is, is there's <laughs> the thing that new people need to understand. Communicate. If you have an idea of where you want your character to grow, like to go towards, talk to your DM. Be like, hey, I really want this character to end up being like Goku. Like, oh, you want to die repeatedly and slowly power up? Fuck it. Let's run it. Uh, we'll get there. I don't know when we'll get there, but we can try to get there. We can work with you. But because dice rolls are not a constant. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in the last fight of last campaign, I had three people literally going like, cool, so I'm expecting my character to die. I'm like, all right, well. Um, and that was uh, Aloysius' character. Um, and Ajag was expecting to die. Uh, Ajag is the, the orc. And then we had uh, Praetorian, who was like, man, good thing Praetorian's going to die in this fight. He's got nothing to go back to. And I'm like, well, that's kind of fucking rude. There was an NPC hitting on you for the entire... Oh, shit. Yeah, I was like, there was an NPC hitting on you for the entirety of this fucking campaign, and you did not notice. And he was like, huh? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Surprise! Perception but checks are important. It's, that's not even a perception check. That's just like a thing. You need to understand that like I mean, NPCs yeah, have Cameron, to have You know motives. something about not being aware of people hitting on you. Yeah. So, NPCs... What? Exactly! Yes. I'm happy that we can make this work. Um, but, as a DM, you need to talk to your players to figure out what they're trying to get out of it. Some people really love combat, like D was saying earlier. If they really love combat, don't make it a RP-heavy campaign. Say fuck it, make it combat with a little bit of RP here and there to like help move the story along and have them go punch hobos for an hour. Fuck it, run the set. Or, if they really like RP but combat isn't their thing throwing combat now and then to spice stuff up but past that let them rp let them explore the world that you've set up it's it's about making making and setting expectations because if you know roughly what you're getting into no one will be surprised no one will be upset however everyone will be upset if no one talks about anything, that's why yes. red flags, that's why scene cuts, all of those exist. You talk to people like, hey, does this stuff make you uncomfortable? Let me know if any specific animals or anything like that gets, you know, any phobias going or any uh, any trigger words, stuff like that. Let me know so that way I can adjust my words and my writing mm -hmm. to fit. That should, like, expectations and communication should always be there. You know, like, there's this big negative viewpoint i will say with older uh dms that uh need to fucking stop or get old and die uh that Ew. are so fucking gatekeepery with their games still like no absolutely every person must be able to dedicate every single day of their week and i will accept nothing else except for death that you are not attending or you must bow and work man fuck that shit Man, we don't, we don't, we gotta put up with enough of that shit in our fucking jobs. I don't want that yeah. shit in my game. Get the fuck out of here with that game. Yeah. I tell my players every, and, and I'll be honest, CJ thinks I'm crazy because of this. I stack my games because of it. I, I run yeah, games it with like eight people. 
Um, yeah, uh, so Dee invited me to play in a game on, sun- I want to say it was like either Fridays or Sundays when my days off were weird. And I was yeah. like, yeah, how many people are in it? He was like, yeah, I've got nine in, one kind of floats in and out. And I'm like, motherfucker, that's still eight people and you want to <laughs> add two more? He's like, yeah, we can make it 10 or 11. I think we could do it. And I was just like, you can what with the who? I did the eight people my first campaign. And since then, I'm like, you know what? Four people is like four to six is ideal for me. D loves mm-hmm. to stack that shit because he knows motherfuckers will be like, hey, so my hamster caught on fire. I can't be there today. Yeah, and cool. uh, James, I know no matter what, I have five players every week, no matter what. And I have become a master of adjusting my combats depending on the amount of people that are there. <laughs> um, where I don't, I don't even have to fudge rolls most of the time with anything. Yeah. Like. I just know how to adjust depending on the amount of players. And, I mean, all... Let's be real. Uh, one of the things we haven't really talked about is DMing is babysitting. Uh, I, I <laughs> do project management work. You have to constantly keep your people moving forward. Okay, remember, we're in combat. No, 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 everybody. Remember. Okay, now it's this person's turn. Are you done? Okay, now we're on to the next. Like, you, you, you it's babysitting. You're herding cats. That's that's just how it goes, and you you have to have a certain level of skill if you ever expect combat to get done. Yeah, which is why you can tell people who've DM'd and people who haven't, because people who DM when it's their turn, they're like, okay, I take my four shots, I use my bonus action to cast a spell, I then move here, turns done, <laughs> yep. and it's done in like thirty seconds, and that's how it yep. was in Aaron's campaign, and that's pretty sure how it's gonna go. Like last time, like it would come to my turn. And I'm playing art, so I'm like, alright, cool. So I run to the back, I cast Burning Hands, here's the damage dice, also here's the dexterity check, if they don't make it, they take half. Alright, that's my turn, and go. And then I would go play, like, Final Fantasy Tactics while I'm waiting for everybody else to go, and then, like, two turns before mine, I'd be like, alright, cool, so they moved here, they moved here, that person's probably gonna move there, and I'm probably just gonna go take a pot shot at the guy in the back, let me just get my spells ready, and alright, cool. 30 seconds, my turn is done, and go. But... Other people are like, yep. alright, cool, so let me check Twitter. Oh shit, it's yep. my turn? Uh, hold on, let me finish reading this post. Yep. Okay, cool. My turn takes uh, 30... That's how I am in board games, too, though. Like, my turn takes 30 seconds, and now I will sit here for 30 minutes and wait for three other players to finish. I feel like our campaign wasn't that bad <clears throat> once we figured out how to you understand? combat. Since I, There were times that I had to be like, alright guys, you're still on the boat. Like, Cameron, Fire Emblem Heroes. Set it down for like five <laughs> yeah, minutes, I buddy. That. <laughs> yeah. And then Daryl would be like, What? And I'm like, Daryl, stop fucking helping him with Fire Emblem Heroes. Focus, guys. Focus. Let me pull out the fucking laser Listen, pointer. Come on, cats. Come twice. on. Twice. It was only twice. Twice, bro. It was towards the end, I swear to God. <laughs> like, that just, but that happens. That's DMing. You're hurting cats. You're getting a laser pointer out, and you're making them motherfuckers go in the door. You're like, come on, come on. And then you got Bootsy or Bear that doesn't see the laser, and you're like, come on, stupid yep. fucking face the goddamn look. And then they're like, oh, laser pointer. And they run towards it. And you're like, there we go. Finally, everyone's that's, on the same track. That's why I'm so happy that I eventually, that I, I was shown how to do the shift ping in Roll20. Yes. Fucking shift and hold left click. Bro, yeah. I found it out at the end. Like, motherfuckers would be like, I'm in the bottom left and I don't see yeah. shit. And I'm like, dude, it's yeah. right here. Oh my god, my map move. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm pulling you here. Yeah. Yeah, it was a game changer being able like, This is where I am. Oh, that's where we are. Okay. Okay. D, 
DMing is advanced right. babysitting. But yeah. on the bright side, once your players start to get actually into it and they give a fuck, uh, it lessens. You still sometimes have to be like, all right, guys, come on, towards the door. So there's, the door. there's actually one very different mechanic I have as far as how I run my campaigns. And this is something that it's taken me a long time to be able to figure out is my preferred technique for it. Um, but so far, it's worked wonderfully for my players and the, the people that invest the time into the game with me. I sandbox my games a lot with overarching storylines that I'm just mm -hmm. building. I don't... I no longer make plans. I yeah. don't... I don't do anything. I, I know, you know, like, I mean, right now I'm, I'm you know, I usually run preset com, you know, content. Uh, so that that's just, that that's my general outline. Okay, cool. They have to go fight this person eventually and they got to go do that. Cool, and that wording great. is the perfect wording. You get a general outline. I like to yeah. say I make the skeleton of, you make the skeleton and you let the players fill it out. Because if you make every single little thing, you can't rail. Dude, there's two cities that they didn't even visit in this campaign. <laughs> well, see, at the same point in time, I'll go through those modules and be like, all right, fuck this whole place. It yeah. has so little to do with the storyline. It's needlessly complex. Fuck it, it's not here. I don't, you know, it doesn't, they, you don't need to sandbox them that big. Because, man, if you let them go through Strahd and go through every little fucking corner... You're gonna be in a five-year campaign, and you're not gonna understand why <laughs> people are just so confused. Um, you you have to steer at least a little bit in far as as what options are even available to them. But that's it. At the same point in time, I will carefully construct the options and opportunities that I want for my character's progression. I will constantly throughout my campaign give them morality problems and force them to not only roleplay it, but roleplay the mentality and morality of their character. Because I will not let them do something without thinking of it. The, the biggest example of this, I, I gave them a, a place where, okay, these creatures are, uh, yeah, the, the, the adults are definitely evil. They've been kidnapping people and doing stuff. But okay, now you wander into a room and there's uh, a bunch of dead people. And there's also a bunch of children huddled in the corner of that race uh, holding a knife looking at you and one of them, you know, bars its teeth and they slept the party and one of the party members killed every single one of those people. And I'm like, great. You just murdered children. And they're like, yeah, but they're evil. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. That doesn't I change don't. anything. Yeah. I'm like, I, you, you just made some very bold decisions here that I am not going to allow to just pass. Well, no, that's good. No, 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 no understand lawful and chaotic are much are very different than good and evil so you may have just thought oh i'm punishing evil but that sure as fuck wasn't lawful what you just did 
like, you just murdered children because I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I didn't tell them, but I'm like, no, those were just murdered people that the adults killed. Those were children hiding, scared in a room. But you didn't stop to even ask. And that is where the morality of questions is honestly one of the best parts of D&D because you can watch who, like, who does what. So, for example, um, in Campaign 2, or in Strahd's campaign in general, there are werewolves. You know, werewolves are mm-hmm. normally seen as, like, heroic, or not not heroic, but, like, loyal. They're the antithesis, uh, antithesis Jesus, the words, um, <laughs> of vampires, right? And vampires are normally seen as evil. However, the werewolves were like, hey, yeah, uh, one dude took, like, all of the men and started making children fight to the death to figure out who was the strongest. And then they took that child and turned them into a werewolf so that way we would have the strongest warriors. And so the group's like, yeah, we should go kill that guy. But the problem is, is the werewolves only expand their pack by kidnapping people anyways. So then the morality comes to the question, do we help them and then let them go kidnap more people? <laughs> or do we stop them or... And it's one of those questions of like, alright, so where's the right and where's the wrong? Do you go save people from kidnapping kids and then letting the kids die? Or is it something even worse where if you let kids die, are you the villain or are you the good guy for saving them from becoming a werewolf? Morality is a very big gray spot. Yeah. And I think in D&D campaigns that's what makes it good. I mean, shit, Daryl played in a campaign where I played my favorite character of all time, Ken. And that motherfucker was so evil, yet so good, it made no sense. (laughs) Ken had one rule. No women, no children. Anything else goes. I literally killed and enslaved people. Were they women and children? No. They were men who would take up arms against us and make things bad. So, that's how Ken made it right in his head. Was it right? God, no. God, no. It was not right at all. But it's how the character would see it. And you can't be like, oh yeah, I'm a good person. After you fucking go around murdering kids or murdering defenseless people or whatever, you're not a good person at that point. That's not no. you. Well, yeah, that's how Clang came about. Yeah. Clang. See, and that's fucking the whole thing. Village plunder. Like, you, you didn't you didn't start out with that character going this direction, but then because a character mm-hmm. made made these choices and, and and have been pushing these moralities, okay, great. Well this is this is what's now happening. I mean, I at in my Avernus campaign I had one char- I had one storyline thing that I knew was gonna happen. And it was just because of the way the campaign worked and the way the, the sword? Yeah, the sword. The yeah. way the sword works in the campaign we about this, sorry. is the, the sword makes whatever angelic. Like whoever takes it, you lose yourself, and you're doing that. I had a warforged paladin in my campaign. For so who don't know, warforged are robots. Yeah. So I spent hmm. the entire campaign playing with the robot morality clause within this character the entire time. You know, like, 
You're because think about it. You're a robot and you're in hell. You are literally faced with the reality that souls exist, but you're a robot. You're also immortal. So what does that limit you for? You'll never go to hell in the sense that these demons and everything are. You'll never go to heaven. But this robot was created to fight evil. So I corrupted them with the concept of being able to choose for themselves. They ended up with a demonic voice that they thought was their conscious, constantly making them question everything and making them see what was going on. And in the end, when they got the sword, they became flesh because that's literally the mechanic of the campaign and one of the things that was going to happen. So I made the robot go through a magic girl transformation, turning into (laughs) a, you're a real girl now. Um, but what does, you know, what does that mean? You just went through everything. You now have flesh. It's not just what it's meant in the campaign of you, you, okay, now you're an angel versus not. No, you just went from being a robot to having flesh. But the only way to save or damn the end is to give up that same sword. So what do you do? Mm. Do you give it up? Do you stay? Do you kill the end, uh, the fallen angel, to keep the sword for yourself? I didn't make that choice for them. They end up having to make choices, and that's what being a good DM is about. That's that whole part of making the skeleton. Like they said, Mm -hmm. you make the outline. D knew what the sword would do. What is the party going to do with it? They're still an Mm -hmm. owner of the sword. At one point, the owner's going to want it back. Do they give it back? Or do you let that one person really have everything that they've ever wanted? So that way they can condemn. Funny enough, that was actually a big part of it. The owner didn't want it back. There was a, they had a chance of convincing the owner to take it back. And that was the one and only opportunity they had for what would be, quote, the good ending. But instead they all sat there and did nothing. And the owner said, why the fuck would I want this? Congratulations, you've now lost all good path options. All right, well, that doesn't determine the ending, but where are we going from here? Up. Up. Well, actually, I ended up with uh, basically a group of people uh, being the Charlie's Angels of Hell because they chose to stay. So they ended up being the three, you know, agents of the fallen angel head of Avernus just being sent on missions to go do shit. I'm old enough to know who Charlie's Angels is. I'm dumb. I'm also dumb enough to forget what the show was about. It's I mean, women they made like fighting stuff. Two movies in recent times. Um, you're recent. My recent, not the same. I mean, I, Lucy Liu and Two White Girls. So that's all I got. Well, they made a more recent. They made one in 2019, motherfucker. Did they? Really? Yeah, <laughs> bitch. I knew they made it more recently than that. Mm. That's, oh, Elizabeth man, you, Banks, you Kristen fight. Stewart, Ella Belinsky, Naomi Scott, Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart. Yup. Right? 
Um, no, I forget he's an actor except for in the X Men. You you know what, D? That's fine, but like mm-hmm. the only thing I remember from 2019 is COVID. Graduating, getting into a fight with my dad, and going to New York for for an anime convention. Other than that, 2019 didn't happen. 2019 is not real. I mean, but but okay. But here's the thing: like, there is nothing else to remember about Charlie's Angels. The only thing literally to remember is that there was three secret agents being sent on missions by one person. The rest of these details don't matter. That's, Fair, that's, that's that's literally all I was saying. That's all I remember. And congratulations! Then you got the entire message I was trying to give you. Yay! I feel like there was some more plot development for them, but I'm like, I don't remember. It's Nobody remembers, man. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> that's that's such a <laughs> thing. Who the fuck cares about the development of Charlie's Angels? Speaking of. Uh, weird stories. H- how do you form stories in D and D outside of uh, what the books give you? Read a lot of books, and as a result, have a great imagination. See, Damn, I, you don't I like be a DM. I like really just the last part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you just have to have a good a good imagination because I'll be real. Like I will just go through memes and get inspiration for something and i'll jot it down and yeah like it, actually yeah because i actually have two memes on my phone i wanted to bring up yeah, but you, i don't know how to do absolutely that. just draw like here here's a here's a an, here's a, a, a perfect my example no oh, here's a perfect example like literally i'm on facebook right now this thing just comes up all right and it says know what i want more in my fiction nice guy villains incel villains Villains who exhibit the most toxic aspects of current masculinity and culture and are shamed for it. Like Titan from Megamind. That's a that's a thing I hadn't thought of. Man, I could jot down some notes right now, make a little villain for that. I have no fucking idea when I would use it. But that's just a random bit of inspiration. You just go, okay, cool, I'll write this down and use it somewhere. Because I have a distinct memory of CJ showing us a map. And then we did not use that map. We used a different map. And CJ was mildly upset. Eh. I mean... But this was years ago. That's another thing that just happens, you know? I mean, we did make a map, so... Yeah. I mean, part of the entire uh, campaign was, in the end, we were just like, this is our map. We made it. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. Campaign one was essentially you guys playing Sid Meier's while I was trying to have a fucking human revolution. <laughs> and then... That's fine. Yo, uh, but we can build a whole city, a whole fucking kingdom here, guys. But, but what yeah. we, yo, kingdom, man. Think about the stock profile. Think about the vegetation growth and how we can rotate our crops. Now, what would give us the best, the best uh, density of nutrition versus amount of vegetation growth? You know, what, I'm feeling what motherfucking really... potatoes. And I was just like, <laughs> why? <laughs> This is like, real. Bro, this the is whole thing potatoes. It. Yeah, these motherfuckers. Okay, so this is why I say at this point you just make an outline. So at that time in the campaign, I was like, yeah, the humans are getting together. They're about to do a revolution. They're going to fucking try to take over the elves in the top so that way they can try to get the horn so that way they can summon back an old god and rule the fucking world. And they went, yeah, so what we're going to do is. Uh, CJ, can you pause for a moment? Why? What's up? Nothing. Uh, three natural 20s later. 
uh, they convince a guy that they own these ruins and they start building a fucking city. And I'm like, all right, I mean, what are they going to do? Fucking oh. send people here? And they go, oh, no. yeah, so we're going to send people there. And you guys sent every single motherfucker. Every you guys single person. With. You're like, yo, are you a refugee? What do you know? We got a whole city we're building for that. Here's the directions. These Have motherfuckers overpaid King's guards that they liked <laughs> to leave their posts we and go to that. the city. <laughs> One of their favorite characters was a fucking normal city guard that they loved so much that okay. they paid him but years of salary. I feel like that's that's a thing that we that every DM has to talk about. Okay. Okay, you go, are yeah, going yeah. to have a random NPC that is nothing that you that have nothing planned loves. for. Yep, and your party is going to gravitate towards them, and you so, are going to have to spitball whatever the fuck you want I, for that character. When I say that this character was literally random white man number three <laughs> in dress clothes, yeah. and I was yeah, like, "Yeah, was. cool," and they were like, "What's your name?" and I'm like, uh, 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 and my mind was like. Uh, Ricard, and they were like, Picard? And I'm like, no, it, it's Ricard. And they're like, Picard it is! And they walked away. <laughs> and we ran with it for the whole... Eventually, and, we knew that it was wrong, but we just still ran yeah. with it the whole time. <laughs> and they knew, but the problem was is these motherfuckers went back and went, okay, so, Picard, Ricard, uh-huh, yeah, whatever. Um, we're gonna give you two years worth of salary if you come become a guard at our city instead. I'm sorry, you're going to give me how much money? The King's Guards only make a silver a fucking month. That means in a yep. year they're making a gold. They gave this motherfucker 15 gold, and he was like... <laughs> essentially, uh, for people that are terrible with math, uh, they essentially gave him 150k and went, you want to come be a guard at our city? And he was like, can you get my family there? Fuck it, I'll do it. Is this like a monthly like, thing? And they're like, they're like, yeah, 15 gold? That's fucking easy. And he's like, that's easy? <gasps> we, oh we were all God. just turning around pulling our money like yeah, I think we can get him guys <laughs> yeah and there were the other guards there they did not give a fuck about do you understand I had to make names for other guards so that way like Picard would be like and fuck you Jameson and fuck you Rick <laughs> and you you shat on my potatoes last week fuck you Ricardo and they would be like oh, Ricard and he'd be like no <laughs> But the group loved this one character that I didn't have written into this campaign at all. I was just like, man, a gate needs guards. There's going to be, uh, let me roll a works. D6. All right, there's five guards. Uh, three are on duty right now because they would have a rotating thing. One person will be a midday, two people. Okay, cool. And all right, and go. What's your name? Fuck. And uh, yeah, like, but that's, that's some of the fun of it. Like, you just have a random character that you're doing it and they get so obsessed with it that you end up with these very interesting characters that you had no plans for that end up with fully fleshed out storylines behind them now. And it's okay. You just gotta be able to ad-lib the shit out of stuff. You gotta be able to just come up with everything on the spot and just improv everything. I also have a distinct memory of we us being on the outskirts of the ruins i don't remember if you just saw something across the the water or if you had the roll to see it but 
uh, Silverleaf spotted some ruins across the water. And Here's then we went over to investigate, yeah, and then there was a church, and then we brought the yeah. end of the world. That's because we had like, a map that Ooh. I yeah. paid attention to. Yeah, well, you had a map, and Daryl's like, the fuck are these? And I was like, uh, so, asking around, you guys find out that that's, like, you know, that's old Lusane. That's where uh, the old human capital used to be until something occurred, and since then they've moved on and made a new city. And Daryl was like, cool, I want to go over there. I was like, okay. Ancient ruins? Hell Yeah! Yeah, and, the you know. The Wall of Vaginas, yeah. yeah. Inside churches. You know, I was the one going, I was the one saying, guys, can we turn around now? Yeah. Glenn still Listen, blames I agree you guys. with you. Glenn still blames you guys for summoning Kalami. Understand that. Uh, that's a Glenn was like, bro, I couldn't go into the church. You motherfuckers did that all on your own. You guys are like, we said we wanted to turn around, and I was like, I'm... Well, I wasn't fucking steering the boat. You guys were like, "What's over this way, though?" No, I'm like, "No, I was the one guy. I was the one guy. Like, guys, this doesn't look okay anymore. I'm like, I moved through this, and I okay, yeah, okay. We got past the stomach room, and I'm figuring out what this is, and I want to turn around now. And they're like, "But there's another room," and I'm like, "Yeah, cool, 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 cool. I don't want to know what that other room is." Yeah, that was a that was a great experience. You guys are just. Uh, watching Daryl's face go through the entirety of it, like, <laughs> alright, so yeah, you're in a very tight hallway, and it kind of, like, thump, thump, and is closing and opening back up now and then, and Daryl's like, okay, cool, yeah, I go through it, and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of fleshy and a little bit humid, and Daryl's like, alright, and I'm like, yeah, there's a thing hanging in the back of the throat, and you can see that it actually has sparks as if it's to ignite something, and Daryl's like, right, okay, and then he gets to the stomach room where I'm like, yeah, so uh, there's uh, multiple areas that can be stood on, but you can tell that there's like an acid you watch as a little bit of armor drops from a sack atop of the the room that has multiple guards and things inside of it. And one of the the old weapons drop and it hits the, the liquid in the bottom and it just disintegrates. And Daryl was like, ah, ooh, huh. <laughs> Can we turn around? And I'm like, yeah, if you guys are like, turn around. But everybody else is like, but what's in there? And Everybody's in like, so Darryl's I can head, cross this room like this, and I can hop across these rocks. Yeah. And I'm like, And Daryl's head, I know he's like, bro, you're about to go out the asshole. That's <laughs> not like... <laughs> you're about I to go remember? into shit, and I don't want that. I, I do remember us uh, fighting something, and then at some point... We were huh? a slime. There was uh, a, oh, God, a gelatinous oh, oh, ooze mm. that had body parts and mm. armor inside of it and everything. Now I remember. Made out of acid and smoke, and it kind of congealed together to form a, a, a ooze, yeah. I I do remember that now. Uh-huh. I wish I hadn't. Because yeah. my brain's thinking of something else now. But I do remember. I, I feel like this is me at, like, highest creativity... Which is sad, but the what was it? Tele, the teleport spell. Yeah. I instead of you know drawing the circle everywhere I went, I just encrusted that shit on paper and would slap it down. And like, all right, we're leaving. Bye, everyone. Come on. Yeah. Is that a thing? Is that was that real? Can you actually do that? You could technically, as long as it forms the circle. There's nothing saying that you can't. I feel like we got away with a lot of shit that just so doesn't here's, seem. I mean, you gotta <laughs> understand okay. that there's a certain element of is it cool? Yeah, 
there's there. I was literally about to say this because yeah, you guys got a lot of uh, away with a lot of shit that wasn't normal. But D and D rules, they're really fucking loose. If uh, okay, so if I followed Raw, which is uh, rules as written, if I followed Raw, you guys would have died like session three. Yeah, because Raw is is if you take your maximum health in a single damage blow, you instantly die. No death saves, no nothing. You're just poof, dead. You fucking combust. But oh. that's a rule, personally, that I just don't... Uh, I don't see that as a fun rule. Yeah, obviously, like, sometimes you may want to have it active. Um, but rules as written, you need to find rules that fit you. So the idea that nobody really thought about drawing a fucking circle on paper, placing them out, placing them together, and then activating the circle... It says you have to draw it on the ground. But what if there's stuff on the ground? What if you're on a table? What if you draw it on a cart? Technically, if you're standing on a cart, the cart is your ground at the moment. That's what you're standing on. Why wouldn't you be able to draw it on paper? It would be used up in the paper, but you were constantly making a new stack anyway, so that way you wouldn't have to spend fucking a minute and a half drawing it on the ground. So all I did was I made it so that way you guys could travel more quickly you still spent the resources to do it you still spent the mana the spell slot the day prior or whatever and you wouldn't be able to use it unless you put the circle together properly but you could do it so in my head as long as there is still a cost for doing something cool so for example um at the end of uh my mom's campaign ken made a deck of cards and everyone's like oh yeah deck of many no deck of 52 cards i i had him buy from a store each card then got enchanted with a meteor swarm spell and then there is a spell which swaps those items and if they are impacted in any way the spell inside them goes off so ken spent a month every day after he would enchant one card enchant it enchant it set it somewhere that nobody could touch it enchant one card Enchant it, enchant it, set it where somebody can't touch it. Is that a thing that can technically be done? I mean, loosely, yeah. But Raw would also say that you overwrite enchantments on items, unless you're an artificer. So, you technically can't. I mean, that goes into the fact that pre artificer, there was no actual rules for making any kind of magic item. Yeah, there was no way to do it. And. Doing what Ken did, I don't think... Now that we have Artificer, uh, Artificer is literally a whole class for making magic items. So at this point, doing what Ken did probably doesn't... It isn't a thing anymore. However, it made the last fight so much fucking cooler. One person, Ajag, was planning on killing himself with the deck of cards. He was going to fucking shoot a bullet through all the cards, make them explode, and cast 52 meteor swarms on himself to kill the boss that's a lot yeah uh to be exact that's 2040 d6 Hmm. so at a minimum he's doing 2040 damage that's enough to one shot any bosses however i had it set in multiple phases and metamagic's a thing so in theory metamagic could be placed anybody who's casting the spell would be able to pick because the original wizard has metamagic the ability and would pick to not hurt his allies because it's a fucking mile wide radius but enchanting an item, you can't use metamagic. 
However, did I want the fucking party to one-shot themselves with an item they didn't know what it did? No. <laughs> That's not fun. It's super fucking cool. However, if the orc throws out cards and says, eat dick, and shoots all the cards, and then 2,040 meteors <laughs> swarm from behind you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you know <laughs> how anticlimactic that would have been? Dies. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, eat dick. Brrr. Oof, party nuke. Work. Yeah. The party has died because Ajag did 7,064 damage. The party's highest HP yeah. is the fucking Barbarian at 250. And that motherfucker rolled damn near perfect on his health. Ken at level 20 had 115 health. Everybody had more than him. He's a fucking wizard. <laughs> yep. But that's the cool factor. You need to find stuff that's, like, cool. Like, I always tell... Everybody I'm playing with. If you got some cool shit you want to do, if you can explain to me how you can do it, run the fucking set. That's do all, it. like no, not enough people ever do it for me. But that's always what I'm telling. I'm like, man, if you got an idea, just let me know. I'm like, I would, because I tell my players too. I'm like, I am in for you guys coming up with creative combination of spells that are not in the game. You know, yeah. somebody gonna cast fucking, uh, fucking hurricane, and another one's gonna cast. You know, lightning cloud. Yeah. Okay, fucking make a We gonna do too. some yeah. shit with that, you know. Yeah. But that's not that's not raw. But like I told, I will him, gladly make that happen. I told Daryl that, and that motherfucker used infinite pocket sand to become a goddamn glass monarchy. Like, bro, he had yeah. a monopoly on glass because I gave I gave the fucking pocket sand item to you guys so that way Glenn could fucking throw pocket <laughs> sand in someone's eye and get sneak attack because they couldn't see him. But no. Instead, you guys put it into a fucking kiln and made infinite glass and ended up exporting that. Could you probably do that? I'm pretty sure Pocket Sand eventually has a fucking, like, cooldown, but you guys casted haste on the Pocket Sand so that way it would constantly refresh. And it's cool. That's the cool shit. D&D, like, do I want to fucking, like, go through life? Like, yeah, I can't fucking jump on a building, but you know what? A 20-strength fighter probably could. Fuck it. Roll the dice. If it's above a 10, eh, it's definitely impossible. Say fucking roll it and see if you get that strength roll, man. See, like, here's... There are two things that I think are are very big examples of home rules, and they're, like, exactly what you're just saying here. Um... The biggest ones in 5th edition that I have started using for everything is why the fuck can I defend against a grapple check with acrobatics but not start it? Because there's no fucking reason a monk should not be able to grapple. Please tell me that the other one is uh, intimidation with charisma. Or uh, intimidation with uh, strength. Strength, yep. Yes. You got it. <laughs> so, Wait. rules is written. What? Yeah. So, yeah, back in other, back in like third ad and everything, there used to be these synergies in it where it would be like, oh, if you have five, you know, ten ranks in intimidation that you get bonuses to this thing and that. Um, so, there's things that just don't make sense. Like, I get it. If you're super charismatic, yes, you should be able to be intimidating. But why the fuck is the scarred up, roided out, rageful barbarian got a negative three to his chance to intimidate you? Yeah. Um, I think Mandy actually talked about that a while ago. And we were like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to start adding strength as an option for charisma. 
or, or uh, as a, as an option for intimidation because so, you picking someone up with one hand and like if you move right? I will crush your balls with a fucking vice and then oh, I will sorry, chew them up. Sorry, you got up. a negative three to your roll. The guy laughs at you. <laughs> like uh, no, you mean you no. mean me picking him up? That's not intimidating. Nope, not intimidating at all. In fact, he sees a booger in your nose. No. Yeah. Uh, if there's a motherfucker that's huge, nah, he's I'm got gonna a plus beat five. him to death. Yeah. Everybody else is still not intimidated. Why? Because you weren't pretty enough. Yeah, no, like, not... no, fuck this shit. I was not aware. I, yeah. I mean, I, I remember that was a charisma, but I, I just... That, yeah, yeah, that's that been things sense. that we've changed. But that's why I love the fact that D&D can change rules. Me and D mm-hmm. have, like... I've I've taken a couple things from D, such as... Uh, um. One thing that, like, D showed me was there's a list that he added that adds in, like, extra flavor for a character that would allow you to take an extra feat. But I uh, realized... the flaws list. Yeah, the flaws list. But a thing that I just started doing was, is at level one, everyone gets a feat. Why? Because variant human would then get two feats. That still makes them very valuable. But then, not everyone in the world wants to pick a variant human just for that extra feat. You can add other characters, you can you can still have flavor. And not have to be a human to, like, make a class interesting. Okay. See, I am more like, I like the fact that flaws are balanced. I mean, I don't do the chart as is in its own, because, hey, I'm not going to have you roll on a chart that could literally break your character concept. Yeah. Um, like, I'm just, I'm never going to do that. But I I think that most of the races are balanced and they're, they're meant to be okay with that. Uh, so allowing somebody to want to RP and have a feat without being variant human is more of where my thought process ends up going. Yeah. And that's the, you can tell the difference between the two of us with mm-hmm. that simple thing in mind. I don't want people to pick a race based on the bonuses that they get. And as a result, yeah. uh, we're both doing the same thing. Wizards of the we Coast, don't want people uh, to be shoehorned. Wizards of the Coast actually made a thing with a uh, strip. Was it Strixhaven? I want, no, not Strixhaven. No, that uh, was uh, Tasha's. Uh, no, the was optional it class features. No, 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 not the optional class features, the ability to change your racial modifiers around as long as they're in the same area. So for yeah, example, still Tasha's. I thought, no, that was a uh, guide to Ravenloft. Um, so for example, most races, uh, here, actually, let me, let me pull up an example real quick and we'll go down to races, uh, draconic races. All right. So dragonborn, uh, oh, it's also a thing in Fizzbands. So dragonborn naturally have the option to add two to charisma and then depending on the type of dragon, you are, you add one to, like, dexterity, constitution, wisdom, whatever, right? Well, what they did was, if it's in constitution, strength, or dexterity, you can take that one point and put it in any of those three. And then you could put the two that you get from charisma, and you could put it in intellect, wisdom, or charisma. So essentially, you have your body stats and your mind stats. And as long as it falls into one of those six, like, one of those six... You can keep it in the same realm. So you say you really want to be a Dragonborn, but fuck, that Charisma isn't going to do anything for you because you're picking a Wizard. You can switch that two Charisma over to a two Intellect. And you could take that one Dexterity and put it in Constitution if you want. 
it gives you more variety because there's so many races that people don't pick that fuck is it annoying mm-hmm. because the collection of races is massive Cameron you probably don't even understand like so what races do you believe are in D&D in terms of just races you can play like name them or just yeah. give you a number just, just give me some names uh the Right, fuck races there. Uh, Glenn was a vampire. I was a Ketsune. So those two Jordan... weren't even real. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yep, true. I made those. <laughs> um, Jordan was a barb. He was a Goliath. Barbarian. Goliath. Uh, yeah. What the fuck was Brian? He was a half elf. Human. Daryl was a Sylvan. Yep. There's, uh, there's, there's like a Sylvan 15 different types of elves. Alright, so ready? Um. I'm going to go down this list, and I will tell you how many variants are for each race. Aarakroka, those are bird people. There are four Asimar. There are bugbears, centaurs, uh, changelings. There are six dragonborn, four types of dwarves, 14 elves, fairies, furbolgs, four genasi, two gith, four gnomes, goblins, goliaths, seven half-elves, two half-orcs, six halflings, herringon, who are bunny people, Hobgoblins, seven variant humans, Kalishtar, who are essentially humans with a spirit inside their body that allows them to become a fucking, like, they're essentially like a Jedi. There's Kenku, Kobolds, Leonin, which are lion people. Uh, there's Dampier, Hexbloods, and Reborns, which they recently added. Lizardfolk, Loxodon, who are uh, elephant people. Minotaurs, Orcs, Owlin, who are owl people. Satyrs, Shifters, who are literally like fucking animal-shifting humans. Uh, the Simic hybrids who are like a fish people, Tabaxi. There's twelve tieflings. There's turtles, Tritons who are fish people, the Dalkin who are better fish people. There's Verdon, Warforged, and then Yanti who are snake people. Like that is so many people, like so many races. How many of those did you know? You knew that there were humans. You knew that there were elves, half elves, uh, and half orcs. And and dwarves, obviously. Yeah, but granted, I haven't played since we yeah, did our but I second mean, campaign. Most people don't know you can be I a birdman. You were a furbolg. Most people don't know yeah. you can be a birdman or a bugbear. I mean, I mean, I didn't know you could be a bugbear. I thought that was just enemy. Mm-hmm. I remember you could you could be bird people because because uh, Clay. Yeah, but that Clay was a kenku. Kenku. Air croaker. Is that not the same as bird no. people? Air croaker are different, uh, a different yeah. type. Kenku are based on like mimicry, and are actually flightless. Air croaker are not. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I was right. It was Tasha's oh. that introduced the the stat switching. Yeah, customized okay, lineage for races. Yeah. Um, but like, there's so many races, and dude, they can do some cool shit. Herringon, the bunny people. Bro, they add their proficiency <laughs> yeah. modifier to initiative rolls. And they have proficiency in perception, and if you fail a dexterity saving throw, you can add a d4 to it. And you can choose to bonus double jump in the air. Mm-hmm. That does sound fucking cool. Yeah, that's super fucking cool. I have a character named Pentable Fives. That motherfucker has five classes. His entire thing is based around the number five. Super fun whenever I get to play him. His whole idea is he's going to have 18 attacks in one turn and then he's going to go to bed. But, like. That's very you. Minotaurs. No one's really, like, playing a Minotaur or a fucking elf. Or, not, sorry, not an elf. An elephant man. 
Yeah, the locks that's, it on. Yeah, they're, they're so fucking cool. But nobody wants to do that because constitution and wisdom score, so essentially they're great for... not even great for paladin. They're good rangers. Yeah, But like, if you allow people to move those constitution scores around, yeah, they can do it. You have to completely it. get rid of that. But it, it, it just becomes flavor. Like, people have to be aware of what all is available to them to play. Like, the, I mean, on top of that, what about the Leonin? Yeah, the, nobody, the fucking nobody lion plays people. the lion people. That's a badass-looking race, but why not? Because they get claws, but they're, like, ideal to be a barbarian. Mm-hmm. Although Daunting Roar is pretty sick. The if you roar, uh, creatures of your choice within ten feet that can hear you do a wisdom saving throw and then they're scared of you until yeah, your next turn. It's a bonus action. Yeah. So like huh. that's like you said, you guys got away with a lot, but as a DM you just have to figure out what what fits your campaign. What's some cool shit that you just wanna see happen? If you can tell me how you can make a cat man have wings, <laughs> do it. I would love to see... become a very annoying guy. Yeah. I would love to see how this happens. Alright, I have a, a classic question then that I keep... I've seen a, a few times and that I'd like your perspective. Characters like... Whoa. It, 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 human. In person? In person. It's like, yeah, I want to make a gun. You as a DM, what do you do? If they can tell me how they make that gun. If you can break down how that gun works, how you're going to make it, do it. I had to to make the two shotguns that Ken carried around and actually passed off to Campaign 2 as like a, a final farewell he's done with adventuring. I had to draw up plans... Like, to make a shotgun. And it worked. But it's because I could tell you. But I I think at that point you already know me and Daryl's answer. If you can tell... Uh, I, I, I'm not going to speak for Daryl, but I want to say that Daryl would be the same. If you can tell me how you'll make it work. Like, obviously you're not going to have a fucking that unlimited, like, Uzi. Well, some people will ask for that. Well, so, so here's the thing, okay... It's with the introduction to the artificer that answer has changed. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, now that, that now that repeating weapon yeah. as a first level binding on a crossbow essentially just gives you a reloadable gun. Like mm, it, yeah, it, I like I, I why do you that. want a gun? Because I can give you a sh I can give you a crossbow that reload that literally reloads for free as a level one artificer. So at that. It, see, this is the point where I get into, I will give you a lot more flavor. Like, you want an example of flavor that I have posed my, my players and nobody has yet taken it up on it on me? Where Big does it off. say Artificer has to be using normal materials? The thing that I pose for people is, I will let you make a Necromancer Artificer. Do you want to c make all of your items out of bone? Great. So there's hmm. nothing stopping it. That's the other problem is, is I haven't seen. So nobody's played Artificer in any of my campaigns. So I have to like I need to look deeper into Artificer because I love the idea of Artificer. Their whole thing. Um, we keep mentioning Artificer, but their whole thing is they they invent items and they unlock 
dumb capabilities. Like, mm-hmm. an artificer can essentially become Iron Man if they really want. Uh, the right tool for the job. You learn how to produce the exact tool you need. With these tools or artisan's tools, you can magically create one set of artisan's tools within uh, in front of you. It takes one hour of uninterrupted work, which can coincide with a short or long rest, and they vanish when you use the feature again. So, you can literally be like, oh yeah, I have these tools. Let me go make some carpenter tools real quick. Ta-ding! Ta-da! Done. They never need anything again. They have these tools to make everything they need. Artificers are cool, but most people don't want to play them because they don't have heavy combat amplifications. So, that's only At least the way from that what it I've starts. Yeah, yeah that, that's not what has actually happened in, in, in use. Because right now, if you want to be a number cruncher, artificers are hands down the strongest uh, class that you can make in the game. Why? Because you can turn up to five magic items at once. The amount of I yeah, they get to double Six or trip. They can add eight, I think, magic items equipped at one time. Uh, you can tune Ver- up to six at once. Yeah, attune six at once versus three of a normal person. Yeah, that's so, really like, strong. You can plan and do whatever you want around that. On top of the fact that. You basically get to, I mean, depending on, I mean, depending on which version you are, you either have uh, a separate unit that you can make do whatever. You basically are a blaster where you're making wands and shooting them like guns at people, uh, you know, or you're an alchemist creating crazy flasks that you can also throw at people. Pick a flavor. Hmm. Or the battle armor one they made where you're fucking Iron Man. Pick one. Yeah, and literally, like I said, uh, uh, right here, spell storing item. At level 11, they can learn how to store spells in an item. Whenever you finish a long rich, you can simply touch a simple or martial weapon or an item that you, use, you can use as a spell, co- uh, spell focus, and you can store a spell in it. Like, artificers a- are... Any spell? Uh, there's probably a cap on it. But as you level up, it starts to get broken. It's a, yeah, why. it's a certain leveled spell. Yeah. Um, and you don't even need to have that spell prepared from what I remember. Uh, but there's classes that like I haven't experienced because I haven't gotten to play them or anything. And I haven't gotten to see them. Do I have... Mm-hmm. Play? I need to make an artificer, honestly. I may make one later on today when we're done with this. Uh, fuck it, I may make an artificer Leonin. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I've got a, a set of c- characters that I would love to play, but as a DM, you don't get to play as much. You instead make hundreds of characters that you slowly use in campaigns as NPCs and hope people love them enough to actually want to play them. Um, but, you know, that's why when you get the chance to do it as a DM in another person's campaign and you get to kind of like rest your mind and see shit that's going on it's cool it's so cool seeing like it's so i love seeing other people's uh other people's minds work hearing all the shit that's going on in daryl's campaign and like us just talking about what's going on between the two of us you can tell Mm -hmm. that our minds are in different areas but it's still some of the shit you hear from other people is so fucking cool i love the idea of a robot fighting for morality because it, it knows that it's supposed to be good. It knows that it's supposed to kill the demons. But it's supposed to give this item back. But it finally has a taste of being a person? That is the biggest morality I've heard. 
And I love that. Can I replicate that in my game? Sure. But it won't have the same hit. It won't have the same flair that it did with, with Daryl's campaign. But in the same way, Daryl doesn't have a campaign where they have to deal with, uh, you know, accidentally summoning a world-ending god. And then two campaigns later, you sacrificing your character to make sure that thing never comes back. Yep. Like, Daryl loves his ending for Silverleaf, and I did not want to take that from him. I gave him the option to participate, and he said, hey, I would love to do this if I can. I didn't think about Silverleaf literally going like, oh, you guys are about to kill Strahd? What if I took that crown and made Barovia mine? And in the process, he became a new vampire lord, but he essentially had this whole realm to fight the dragon that you guys woke up in campaign one. I made my own prison. An entire dimension of prison. And at the end of the day, it only happens because you have the DM making a rough world for you, for players to explore, and then the players explore it, and as they explore, they find shit that DMs don't even think that they would have put in there. Picard, mm-hmm. I never would have made Picard a real character. I thought you guys would have been bored as shit because you didn't find him. You guys, were, you guys hated the Riddler, but loved the Riddler. He actually just <laughs> appeared in the next campaign, and you know he came back, and it was a great time. And that's, at the end of the day, in my opinion, what D&D is about. A culmination of intelligence, creativity. It's everybody putting that shit together and you looking over at the crazy person because they want to go fuck the dragon to try to make it happy. And you're like, but it's a dragon. And they're like, yeah, but I'm going to try. And you're like, okay, I guess. Fuck it. Here we go. Man, I, I wish I didn't know who you were talking about, but I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Which is real funny, because after Silverleaf talked to him, he had a change of heart. You guys shape the story that me and Daryl provide the clay for. We mm-hmm. essentially give you a lump of clay and we go, build a thing. And that shit could be anywhere from a fucking mansion to a bush that looks like a dick. Who knows? <laughs> But you guys make it. As long as you're having fun making yeah. it, that's all that I care about. As long as at the end of the day, everyone's like, dude, I can't wait to come back next week or in the next two yep. weeks or in the next fucking month. Whenever you have your session, I'm cool with it. Uh, when y'all made my game into Civilization, like I said, that was the opposite <laughs> of what I wanted. But you guys were so fucking hyped to build that city and bring more motherfuckers in to like start making glass and use the soup rock and all that shit. Oh, the soup rock! Yeah, see? Yeah, see? See? And you want to know what happened? All I did was I fucking Googled two words together. I was like, soup, and I seen some motherfucker put rock, and I was like, soup rock. Whenever put into a boiling hot bottle of water, uh, it makes soup. Fuck it. That's the that's the magic item they get. And you guys used it to feed a whole fucking city. I miss soup rock. And at the end of the day... That's D&D. That's what Daryl does in his campaigns on a level that I won't be able to reach, but in the same vein, I do stuff that Daryl can't reach. And the next person that DMs, that they're going to do shit that we can't do and that they can't replicate from us. But But we all learn from each other, and we all use that to, you know, and that's why it's good to talk about it so that you're taken out of your own thought process and your own comfort level to go, oh shit, okay, yeah, I need to do that more. I need to get NPCs. Like one thing that uh, uh, my player actually that I was talking about that made all of those um, uh, 
icons forming their character for my campaign. She runs a Sunday campaign that I'm in, that I get to play in. And her and I exchange a lot of stuff. And I joke around a lot nowadays about seeing my influence in her game. Um, but one of the things that she's done that I kind of want to be able to pull stuff to, and I wish you worked better hours, CJ, is got an NPC you don't, that you really, really want to give good, uh, good screen time to, but you really, really don't want to do it. Got any friends that aren't playing that could show up for a session or two for an hour? Like, hey, I just want you to play this character for a little while. Play it up. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. Go. That sounds fun. Yeah, see? You, you, you're in that. You're like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. I'll show up and RP the hell out of a little character in the background and then never yeah. have to worry about it. Great. It helps my campaign out because I need that character to be something. And, man, I don't want to fucking worry. I don't want... The big thing, I don't like talking to myself. Yeah. I don't like exposition I'm, of two NPCs between each other. Uh, I'm I'm with that a lot, and I think you noticed in, in campaign one where, like, when two NPCs would talk, I start it, and then, like, I get, like, halfway through, and I'm like, yeah, and you think that... You be still it. do it better than I do nowadays. I, I won't do it. I'm just like, uh and I, I trail it off because hearing to hearing me go back and forth with me mm-hmm. in my head is the dumbest shit. But for mm-hmm. some people, it's interesting. But holy <laughs> fuck, am I just sitting here like, you guys don't want to talk at all? Like, you just want to hear me argue with myself? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, this is yes. stupid. Yeah, and they sometimes they eat that shit up because they need the exposition. Yeah, but having like dude i wanted sideswipe so so bad like sideswipe to c- fucking come in sounding like fucking solid snake i wanted him to be strawed and he was like you would have to tell me what to say and i'm like dude just be a vampire lord he's like i don't know what right? to say i don't rp and i'm like yeah but you could that's like, the just, problem just be you just you just need be you. R- you need rp that's why like having friends that are role players that can come in for a day you know, like that that person has brought me in because they run a, a Tuesday game and they've brought me in for a couple characters to play in that. And it's it's fun as hell to do. Well, I think that is a good place to end. That being said, does anyone have any final words? Uh, I think I'm going to say a thing. And um, me and Daryl already said d d is a culmination of in like intelligence, creativity, and so many things. At the same time, you need to know where to draw lines. If you need to remove something because it makes something, uh, someone at your table uncomfortable, you can do that. But who knows? Maybe you're Please not going to do, do that. Uh, maybe you're like, no, this is how I'm writing my world. At that point, just let them go find another table. Don't say that you're going to change it. And don't. Um... D&D is an escape. I have spent so much money and <laughs> so much time like thinking up shit at work or whatever maybe make a new world to to add on to things that I could not do in this world. I I, I fucking work for the government in the real world. But in D&D I can make a government that's so corrupt that people decide to overthrow it. And that is we're getting there yeah we're getting there um <laughs> but that is the the fun of D is the fact that like daryl said earlier it's an escape 
you can have a fucking simple nine to five and not have to worry about shit ever again. Or you could go on an adventure, dude. Go on an adventure with your friends. Enjoy time. Do some weird shit. Go, like, make a hobo a rich man in D&D and see what the fuck happens in that city. Like, dude, it's... The fun of D&D is the randomness in D&D. And at the end of the day, I just love seeing people do random shit and come up with crazy ideas, like trying... Like Ajag trying to launch chairs out of his gun. I've... It's some cool shit, never would have thought of it. But he did. And it brings you closer to your friends, because you can see how they think. And you can see what they do in their spare time and... I think more people need to get into it because it's not the weird fucking, like, let's all gather around a table and fuck in a fantasy world. No. Let's go gather around a table and kill a god or replace them with somebody cooler. So, a lot of these subjects that we've talked about as far as being able to uh, weave something that's all being used and create a world that is non-intrusive for your your players uh i actually help uh am helping a company to create and launch a product that is a a tabletop role-playing game that is centered around mental health as uh, a constant aspect of the game uh, that uses anxiety and overcoming mental health as uh, a driving mechanic behind it and turns away from the negative stigma of mental health in games as, oh, well, now you're crazy, and thus your character's dead. Uh, So please check us out at The Midnight World. We are a dark survival game. If you think of Call of Cthulhu meets White Wolf, a.k.a. Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse, etc., style game in which uh, the mental health is instead the focus, that's what we are. The Facebook's the best way to check it out right now. Our hopefully our web designer will be finished up soon with the web page, because the big thing is uh, that's holding us back is our web store. Once that's finished, then we're pretty clean sailing. The book is actually hitting the launch, hitting editor. Uh, I think at the end of this month, so we are steps away from layout and printing. Nice. Yeah. At the end of the day, guys, uh, stay safe. Mental health is a big please. Just uh, look out for one another. Take care of yourself. Support each other and love each other. And remember to communicate. It's okay to have boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Then we will see you next time. All right. With all that being said, it's been real, it's been fun. It's been real fun, and we will see you at some point when I figure out what the next episode's probably going to be about. I have an idea. CJ's going to be there. We're going to talk about something. Hmm? I think. It's on the whiteboard. I just have to uh, actually get another human being. Great organization. I didn't know we had a whiteboard. I have a whiteboard. I got it for Christmas. I don't have a whiteboard, guys. I don't know what's going on. You should get I feel like you would benefit from a whiteboard. What the fuck? Yeah, I have a Google Drive. I don't have a whiteboard. I also have Samsung notes on my phone, but... You know what? Some things I like to have physical. That's not here or there. Uh, Anyways, yeah. Cameron, finish up your uh, your clothes out, my man. Oh, I'm done. All right, cool. Does everyone got to say bye? Bye. Bye. Bye.